And here we are once again, another Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Our, our, the subject for this program today, we don't talk enough, and I'm just going to leave that kind of that little question mark right there. What are you talking about? All right. My next guest was once a math teacher at a public high school, and he never imagined a future where he would be the co-founder of a queer-founded, leading cannabis-infused beverage company, disrupting the industry with his first sessionable THC drink. Joining me right now is the co-founder of Can, C-A-N-N, Luke Anderson here on Bump Business. Thanks for being on, Luke. Glad to have you on. Hello. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Glad to have you on. It's a subject that when it comes to the LGBTQ community and when it comes to just very serious where, you know, there's that common line of diversity, equity and inclusion, representation, all those catchwords right now that are always very much prominent that as a social conscience of the industry and the pulse of the industry should be doing to make sure that I always say everyone has a seat at the table, everyone's represented and we are progressive as a movement as it is. So Weed Maps recently collaborated with Can on a star-studded pride campaign featuring the likes of Patricia Arquette, Gus Kenworthy, Haley Kiyoko, Sarah Michelle Gellar, several stars from the TV series RuPaul's Drag Race, and more. And this campaign celebrates the LGBTQ pluses community with the release of an original song and music video called Taste So Good, a rallying cry and new anthem for a movement focused on racial inclusivity to debut cans, new light flavors. So when I listen to that, uh, let me just quickly, I'll go and ask first. I always felt like there was something about the music is the message. There was so many times where if it was a war cry, if it was something about, you know, some kind of oppression or some kind of you know, rebellion or revolution against something else, some kind of a larger force, how many times music would motivate, inspire, and bring people together. Talk to me about the idea of having this music video, this song being created for well, just, you know, a very traditional classic style of a marketing campaign. Yeah, it's been a, a totally bizarre ride to get here. And, and I love that you understand how powerful music is in moments where you need to bring people together and, and how subversive it can be in that it will play on the radio and or be streamed at a party and people may not even understand the messages behind it. If the song is good enough and then it gets stuck in your head. And the more you learn about the campaign, the more you understand that you are regurgitating messages and, and learning about them and educating others about them just by the simple act of dancing or singing along or playing it yourself. Uh, the, the jingle is something that was so popular for so many years, but oh, yeah. kind of disappeared. It, it, you remember the just Dr. The, Pepper. You think you think Coke. You think go better with Coke. You think oh, I teach the world to sing. All of that. And the the Britney's Pepsi commercial where she yes. was on the roof and and doing this choreographed dance to this the joy of Pepsi. Right. So we we as a queer founded company we're always thinking about queerness we're always thinking about othering uh as a, a cannabis brand cannabis is inherently queer it, it's this like gay marriage five or six years ago it, it is reaching this point of cultural relevance and mainstream social acceptance that still has not yet translated into an overall 
uh, it's legal. It's okay. And, and I think it was actually 2016 when, when we finally got the Supreme court ruling around gay marriage, but for years leading up to it, it was pockets of, is it a civil union or is it, is it full marriage or is it not allowed? And, uh, in states where cannabis is rec legal versus medical versus not allowed to be anything but hemp, uh, it's very similar. Uh, and so we we love as a queer founded company, as a beverage, which is in a queer corner of an already queer industry uh, to play on consumer packaged good advertising trends and and or um iconic moments from yesteryear to try and just remind people of the legitimacy of what we're doing and last year we had the uh three drag queens from uh the house of avalon embodying the fanta girls on billboards and that was a, a big and exciting moment for us but this year people said what are you that's 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 bigger that's that's more interesting and and to me it was well let's go let's go to britney's pepsi commercial and try to recreate something that's like a, a music video now i wanted to bring about the video in a moment but i also want to make this point disco music you know late 70s for another for a good five years how many different groups of people that were you could say underrepresented or were kind of left in you know were never kind of a bit of a neglect just the point where this this consolidation of people coming together like for me growing up listening to disco music and that was a little bit before my time but let me listen to it after the fact and this exploring it you know through my teens and 20s and in my 30s and just appreciating all the music that came from it because of the beat the sound the message and just the love that came from it and all the movies and all this you know the, the praise that we have of that era how many movies were even done about it do you think about the fact that that was a time they're in the seventies where everybody was just so together. Plus the one thing that's helpful now is that there's so much music coming out now that is new wave, retro, electro disco, high energy. All that's coming back as popular again. That because you know, what comes old becomes new again. The trends will always come back again. So with that said, this video came into play. Uh, I like the song, by the way, it really does fit. Well, I mean, I almost feel like, I don't know how well it's done in terms of tracking in terms of getting in the, in the direction of, you know, how well is it getting, how well viral is getting out there. But the song I like shot in a single 12 hour day in downtown Los Angeles as part of your five market campaign that runs out over California, Nevada, Illinois, Arizona, Massachusetts. You got digital social media and out of home Spotify release and promotion on TikTok and Apple. So there's a lot of effort behind this marketing concept into action coincided with pride month. Talk to me about the timing and talk to me about, as you said, you wanted to go for the Britney video, that Pepsi video. You put a lot of effort into it. Yeah, we released it on June 1st at midnight as a way to kick off Pride Month and and kick it off with a big and explosive bang. And I think a music video with an original song that is just engaging to look at because of the celebrities in it, because of the quality of the music, Leland, who's an amazing songwriter, Jake Wilson, who's an amazing director, really, I think, thought about every detail from a, an audio and visual perspective. And because 
pride is always so us versus them. And because we're experiencing a moment in, in our culture where some anti-gay, anti-queer sentiment is, is gaining traction with don't say gay or let's ban, you know, drag queens in, in Texas uh, when we really should be talking about, you know, assault weapons. It, it's, it's important for us to do something that feels as big and as mainstream as just a, a typical music video, because if it reaches eyeballs outside of the cannabis beverage ecosystem, uh, if it reaches earbuds outside of the states where where can is even able to be sold, then it creates this insurgent social change and also uh, substance and, and and beverage consumption change that we're looking to do as a company. And and everything that can does is is twofold. It's it's how do we get cannabis to be more mainstream by creating a product that welcomes people in and does not get them too intoxicated and makes them have a bad taste in their mouth. And then also how do we build a company that's as diverse and inclusive as the world that we want to live in and, and cannabis as an industry has largely been a pretty white dude run industry, at least the, the consolidation of, of power and the sources of capital, they tend to come from white dudes and, and land in predominantly heterosexual white dudes, hands and bank accounts. Uh, the the thing that made me most proud about this video is that we had just as many trans women of color as there were straight allies. And we had representation in Latinx community, the AAPI community. Um, we, we brought in body positivity. We brought in ableism. We brought in ageism and, and sexism and, and tried to just mix it all together but without pushing it so aggressively that you would think this is, this is so, so many pointed messages. It just looks like a bunch of people having fun together. That's the beauty of it. Uh, and the song has gotten a ton of traction. It's got nearly 300,000 plays on Spotify alone, over half a million. If you add in Apple and Amazon, the music video has been viewed over a million times in its entirety on celebrity socials and on YouTube mm -hmm. uh, and the campaign if you wrap all of the different ways in which you can experience it organically is approaching 5 million views or listens, which is a new standard of excellence for, yeah. for cannabis marketing. Like 1 million was like, wow. And, and we're, we're already pushing five and it's only been out a week. We hope that this right. could be the, one of the songs that people remember from this year. If it continues to pick up steam. It's the best way to go. When you think about when you have social media and just, Music libations just come hand in hand. And it's like you said, it's not that putting something down people's throats. You're not forcing the narrative. It's like, look, it's fun. It's inviting. It's exciting. It's not like we're, you, you know, if you just pay attention, just hear that music kind of just kind of just gives you the trigger. And then it lures into you learning more. You learn about the campaign. Hey, if it's, if it gets you aware and it makes you cognizant of what's going on, that's the, that's the, the, the idea you're trying to go for. I want to yeah. go and talk more about that because there's a whole lot that's been said in terms of the role of cannabis and how it has been portrayed and how it has been, you know, receptive and accepting and has been inviting with the LGBTQ plus community. I want to talk about that. There's a number of things that have come out about that. And I want to go and talk more about that with Luke Anderson, the co-founder of CAN, C-A-N-N, -N, here on Blunt Business. We'll be back after a short break. More. Stay tuned. 
rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back. I'm here with Luke Anderson, the co-founder of Canon. By the way, the website is drinkcann.com. Drinkcann.com. Make sure to go and check that out. And right at the very front, you get to learn about that campaign because you see it right front and center on the website. So go ahead and take a look at that and of the products. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. What I want to go and ask you about now, Luke, is now originally the when I took the information about the breakdown of the video and the production efforts, that was from Adweek. Thank you, Adweek. No, thank you, Adweek, because you, you put me behind a paywall, which I'm always going to count every media source that does that to me. Stop with the paywalls. Come on. We're a media source. Give us some access. OK, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that. So, there was a, there was, but behind the paywall, you know, it, unfortunately, I couldn't get to the whole story. And I should have asked the, you know, who wrote the story, who I know personally. I should have asked her to send me this. But, you know, it was about how cannabis brands can mindfully cater to the LGBTQ community during Pride and beyond. They wrote about how Pride Month comes a surge of corporate event sponsors and products vying for the attention of LGBTQ of the LGBTQ plus community. You brought that up, Luke, before we got the break. But when it comes to corporations, I'll add this part, harnessing the purchasing power of identity politics, it's hard to know whether it's about the higher good or the bottom line. So this is where my point of contention is always read. And you kind of brought this up here, that representation and that performative allyship. We saw all that in 2020 and a lot of different areas where we've had those that have been underrepresented. That comes to the forefront. And then we start seeing people coming for the woodworks showing their kind of almost like I don't want to say feigning their interest or their sympathies towards everyone when it's like, you know, you're not really giving that much, but just, you know, you're just giving lip service more than anything else. Where's the real input? Where's the real contribution? So in this, I want to know, do you feel like the cannabis industry has done a better job than our mainstream counterparts at playing performative allies? Oh, in some ways, it's done a worse job. I, I think the Black Lives Matter movement and its resurgence in 2020 was a moment where the cannabis industry could have come together and supported in very real and substantive ways yeah. black and brown cannabis entrepreneurs. But if you look at the last year and a half, the you know checks that have been written to cannabis entrepreneurs those those checks, like I mentioned earlier, those are yeah. coming from cisgender heterosexual white men and largely going to cisgender heterosexual white men. There are very, very few black and brown cannabis entrepreneurs who have raised over a million dollars. And there are less than 5% of cannabis businesses that are, are black owned. And if you add up the size of those businesses, they're, they're on average a lot smaller than their white owned counterparts. I think the the cannabis brands did do a lot of noise making, did do a lot of like, hey, we're here, we're in support, we are non-optical allies. But if you dig into it, 
very few cannabis companies are doing well enough in order to share the wealth and to create spaces where black and brown cannabis entrepreneurs can be successful. And it's hard because there are very few large black and brown owned cannabis brands to show what that looks like. For us as a, you know, we're, we're a white owned cannabis brand, but we're a queer owned cannabis brand. It's easy for us during pride month to have an authentic story to tell because we're in the community. We understand the impact that cannabis has had on queer culture and vice versa. Uh, but the, you know, we're still a white owned male owned cannabis brand. And, and so there's, there's a, a whole element of what we do at can that, no matter whether or not it's for pride or for all year round does need to go and, and directly support and impact black and brown cannabis entrepreneurship, because this whole industry would not be here if it weren't for the many decades of, of black and brown people who worked to legitimize the industry and were wrongly punished by it. And my thing is, I don't like to be one of those kind of people that has to feel like they need to corroborate or substantiate, well, why you should be a part of this. Well, and then you have to go and list, well, I know these people I've done this, I've done this. It's like, you have to, you know, show a resume of what you've done so that you don't feel like you're being, you know, vilified or being attacked for what you do. Like there's going to be a point where there are certain groups that they might not understand the representation they're trying to support. They, they're not, they're not in the fight. But if they're willing to give to support the cause and actually put something injected, that's a difference than what it is for anybody that's just talking about it or they'll we'll offer a platform or, you know, like same thing in the boardroom for those, you know, I remember talking to, we had a guest on uh, our plant profits program talking about women empowered to cannabis, talking about, you know, about how many of the women that have a seat at the table are pulling in other women into that same boardroom, getting them in there. So that more representation is possible. And that goes for every, every race, creed, gender, persuasion, everything. It's always about if somebody makes it in, those, uh, the rest of your community or, or the community that they're in, it's always about find the best people, the best people within your circles, bring them in, involve them so that there's a continuation of representation that's always going to be there so nobody's left out. I don't know if you feel the same way, but what do you think about exactly, that? Exactly. That's the, that's inclusion. It's, it's, um, and if you look at the way that we cast this pride campaign, inclusion if you see comes from within and from the outside, correct. And it, it only works if you are inclusive to people who don't understand what it's like to be othered in, in a way that you are. And so people like Patricia Arquette and Sarah Michelle Geller, who don't, you know, find themselves in the exact center of the, the queer community right. by showing up and being a part of the storytelling and and being a non-optical straight ally have a big impact. They invite people who really don't understand uh, in. And, and so it's on all of us, in, regardless of where you come from and, and what you look like and, and what story you have to tell, to reach outside of a homogenous group of people that you're in community with to draw in people out uh, outside of it, because that's the transformative power right there is, is when you create heterogeneous groups of people who have different experiences, but can evolve an industry or a space or a community to be more productive than it was before by sharing in that knowledge. You make the great point. You have people, like you said, like Patricia Arquette and Sarah Michelle Giller, the whole idea of, 
yeah, well, we don't need to see commercials. Like every time I go to the movie theater, oh my god, if I gotta watch an Airbnb commercial, or I have to watch some of these other commercials that are trying to be socially conscious, Coke or Pepsi with this and that, and they're doing this thing where it's like, okay, well, there's representation this this group of people, but you don't see them hang around another group of people. It's like. Oh, so people don't blend in. There's not a melting pot. That's the whole point is that we should have that feeling of a melting pot, even though, you know, some people might not think, you know, some parts of the country might not have that kind of thing. But in here in South Florida, where I'm at, it's a full melting pot. And I don't think I'm worrying about checking the boxes. Why well, I'm here with this person. I'm here with this person. And the marketing campaigns are diverse. Like diversity is bringing everybody together. Like this whole idea of just seeing, okay, well, there's only one group in a marketing campaign or a commercial. It's like, well, that doesn't make sense either. Let's just put it all together. Now, I want to ask you about where they wrote, or go on and wrote about while the cannabis industry itself is striving to the tune of a predicted $30 billion this year in 2022, it hasn't been the most dividing or diverse place. Now, Kim Anderson, I'm guessing with the Anderson name must be related. Your newly named oh, senior no, vice president. She's actually, she's a friend of mine from college, but we're oh. not related. But hey, but the, the Anderson, you know, Anderson probably worked well in the uh, in the job interview. Uh, but you're newly named senior vice president of brand and content. She told Adweek this quote: "We're pointing out that cannabis is a white industry, and we're using our platform to call attention to the challenges that women and people of color face in representation." Do you think the only way, Luke, to make progress is to have more owned and operated companies exist? So if it's not getting into the company up the rankings then the money and the resources, the wherewithal have to be from companies like yours that are founded on those beliefs. I think that we will see tremendous change in the cannabis industry and in business in general, when you have uh, representation at every level within a company. So, you know, Kim, she's a woman of color. She's our SVP of branding content. Rosario Dawson is a board member. You know, having having a woman of color in every board meeting, reminding people not to think so narrow about what you know the the P and L and the bottom line is, but also remember what communities have been disenfranchised by this industry development. That representation. If, if every cannabis company had a woman of color on their board and a woman of color as an executive, we would have a totally different industry today because you wouldn't be making decisions based on a limited set of data that right now tends to be uh, conversations between white men. And, uh, and I also think that the representation has to extend outside of the companies and outside of even the top ranks within the companies into the investor community. The capital comes from somewhere. And if investors are being held accountable by the companies they invest in, hey, how many people of color own cannabis brands do you invest in? And if there was some standard that said for every white owned cannabis brand that you wrote a check for, you had to write a check of a similar size to a black or brown owned cannabis brand, that would be a, a serious game changer. Um, and, and then people would go, well, wait, how do I find the, these brands and these entrepreneurs? And instead of thinking about them in, in a certain narrow way, which largely people think, oh, well, is this a way for me to do social justice or corporate social responsibility? No, 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 no. It's business. It's, it is just a smart business decision to invest in black and brown owned cannabis entrepreneurs. Um, until the investment is made in that community, 
from the the sources of capital that fund the industry's development and until companies that are not black or brown owned have representation at every level people of color and women then we're going to be stuck yeah you would think with the cannabis community right and just thinking well they're already having their own issues trying to go ahead and move forward with the plight of getting legalization and getting legitimization you would think there would be more people in the industry understanding that but then i will say this too there are those that come from fortune 500 companies thank you for coming in thank you for coming into fold and you know bringing your expertise into the fold but remember it's not just about micromanaging or just putting the company together on structure there are those ceos of various companies that at the very top, if you have someone that is open-minded and you know, you have your pencil pushers, you have your people that are your yes, sir, no, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am types that are working underneath you in, in middle management, but the top brass, they need to be progressive. They need to be forward thinking. And they say, listen, we need to go and look outside the box, think outside the box on various things. And we should not leave anyone behind. And that's my issue with corporate in general. That's just where I've always been. <laughs> that's just my opinion. Not even that of cannabis radio or the staff of management. That's my own opinion. Uh, anyway, we're going to come back with more after a short break. I'm here with Luke Anderson, the co-founder of Can here on Lone Business. Again, the website is drinkcann.com. Make sure to go ahead and check that out. And we'll be back after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. I'm here with final questions with Luke Anderson, the co-founder of Can CAN here on Blunt Business. And just wrap things up, Luke, a few things. I want to get to the website and talk about the uh, the drink line in just a minute. The light uh, uh, line of beverages you have recently released as part of the market campaign we started talking about at the start of the show. The Fresh Toast recently wrote this, quote, the cannabis LGBTQ rights movements have been connected from the beginning. As a mutually supported reform throughout the decades, they went very comprehensive on the whole story. They cited how the fight for legalization over the past six decades has stalled the use of cannabis, quote, proved effective in treating various HIV and AIDS related symptoms, including wasting syndrome, nausea, chronic pain and anxiety. Uh, end quote. Do you feel like these movements have continued to be equally benefited from each other over the last you know, over the last decades? Queer social acceptance and, and cannabis social acceptance, those two movements or or just the idea where because of what cannabis provided to the community in terms of the treatment for HIV and AIDS, which is you know an issue that can be very much uh, is an issue of, of note, plus where both communities have been oppressed, they've been mm-hmm. you know, vilified, they've been criticized. Cannabis has always been there for the queers and the queers have always been there for cannabis. Uh, It it was devastating the impact that the AIDS crisis had on the community because we were not talking about it. We weren't talking about queerness. We weren't talking about it as a legitimate pandemic uh, of its own. And we, we turned a blind eye and didn't give resources within the medical system to people who desperately needed it. And thank, God for this plant. Thank God for the communities that have worked to legitimize it and the support that they gave to the queer people who needed access to it. Um, and in some ways, it, it's still very, very important to not just the queer community, but to anybody who's experiencing a debilitating illness. Uh, my mom had brain cancer over the last year. She sadly died a couple months ago. 
and and cannabis was a big part of of our journey together and during moments where it just felt like everything was too much she was able to drink a can and feel a little bit of a lightness of being and connect with with something that was elusive uh, and so i think that it, it is a great unifying plant it is a it is a wonderful and magical thing that if if someone is going through something as terrible as a degenerative disease uh, you know has access to it can make them feel joy and it, it's very hard to to connect with people who are experiencing tremendous pain, we often just try to avoid hard conversations and difficult circumstances, but cannabis is a, has always been a tool and it will continue to be a tool uh, to bring people together over, over things that are difficult and make them better. That's wonderful. You know, I didn't get a chance to mention that uh, we didn't get to go and talk to the folks at can. Uh, I think it might be the first time we've had you on the network, but I know we did talk to uh, the folks at airfield supply who also supply. Uh, they were doing at the time when you were putting out uh, passion peach mate, first of all, it's kind caffeinated cannabis beverage where you got to work with Tovlo. who I think is an amazing artist, by the way. Plus, you get to work with people like her and Rosaria Dawson. Well, come on, you're working with great people here, Luke. I'm jealous, man. Seriously, we know how to pick them. We don't. We don't work with any duds. <laughs> no, no, really. And then our producer, Kat, Sarah Michelle Gill, I had a crush on for years. Going back to all my children, by the way. I used to watch that show. <laughs> I thought she was amazing, man. She still is. She uh, still is. They, they are Patricia. Also, if you haven't seen Severance, she's one of the most iconic actors of, of our of our time. Um, and having a, an Oscar winning actress just up there in a pink latex catsuit dancing around on a rooftop like she's Britney Spears in, in her 50s. It's, it's yeah. powerful. And Patricia had a very personal connection to this because Alexis, her sister, one of the first visibly trans people in the public eye, she passed away from AIDS and, and cannabis was a big part of, of the HIV related treatment uh, that, that she went through. And Patricia was a caretaker and was a, a very, very close part of, of Alexis's journey in, in transition and in uh, HIV and, and cannabis was uh, a fundamental piece of, of their relationship in, in the toughest of the times. So uh, it was amazing to have her there as an ally, as someone who's deeply connected to the queer community and, and then as just a really fucking cool person to hang out with. No shit. I mean, you serious A-listers you're working with. And I really do love that. Let's talk about the line of drinks. Now you have, uh, when it comes to it, I mean, when it comes to products, let's talk about the light line, which is obviously the, the focus here. Um, you have a lot of really great flavors, honeydew, mint, cloudy, apple, rhubarb tangerine hops i mean this talking about the line itself and really just give me some highlights of what you did with this new rollout well can is a low calorie low sugar beverage but there are some people who want a uh, no added sugar because of dietary restrictions or because sugar is objectively a, a drug if, if we're going to call cannabis a drug we should be pointing fingers at sugar it's not it's not necessarily doing us any any favors um, we, we wanted to design some beverages that tasted absolutely delicious, but that did not have added sugar. And, and so these are four experimental 10 calorie, no added sugar drinks. You can just drink 10 of them. And that's the same amount of calories as in a spiked seltzer. So there, there really is a, a guilt-free component to it. 
and a, a light and refreshing nature to the drink that our, our core product does have, but because we have agave nectar in the core product, it is a little bit more like a treat. Um, so if you, if you like spin drift, if you like, uh, your drinks to be just a little bit less sweet, a little bit more savory, the, the light line is perfect for you, but, uh, the packaging is also a, a complete redesign. It looks like it, it you know, you've got Coke diet Coke, you've got bud light and bud heavy, uh, we wanted to to try to take some of the traditional beverage bifurcation of a brand and bring it into the cannabis space, and and they're both just delicious, and and they only vary by a little bit of sugar content. I got to ask you this too, because and I I'm, I'm on a serious point, the level of influencers, of celebrities, you're able to go ahead and draw in. And for those, well, not just on the website itself, you have the likes of Gwyneth Paltrow and Darren Chris, you know, offering quotes that are endorsing the product. I mean, they tried it, they, they enjoyed it. You're getting that level of response and you're getting a lot of people that, I mean, really, I don't know a lot of companies that are able to get that many influencers or that many celebrities together to bring that celebrity spokesperson level into the cannabis industry as much as Candace. I don't think I've seen anybody has done it. Talk to me about what is, if there's something that you think other companies could learn from what you've done in terms of drawing in that celebrity influencer power right there to come into the fold of what you're doing, what is something that was very key to open the door to Hollywood and what you're doing with your brand? Uh, being in LA, that's a, that's a huge part of it. So just yeah. like being sure. local is, is helpful. I, I would drive around anytime somebody had a uh, a blue check on their Instagram and they followed our brand. Somehow I would DM them and I would show up to their house and drop off a gift. Like I was an Uber eats driver. Um, and it was, it was just like a set of activities that we did just to try to win them over. But it's not, uh, it's not like we're twisting people's arms to do this. It's it's, they fall in love with the product and when they love the product and, and it's funny, the song is called taste so good that's the feedback that we got for two years. Like just tastes so good. I would drink this even if it didn't have cannabis in it. It's just <laughs> nice. so good. And, and the product quality is the thing that it draws people in. So if you're looking to build a brand and, and bring on celebrity or influencer endorsers, the product has to be so good. It has to be undeniably different. And, uh, the the endorsement is only as good as the organic love for the product that underlies it. The various sizes, uh, I mean, a, a real spectrum of flavors. It's I'm really impressed with all done. And I'm glad we got a chance to go and talk together about this and let's definitely go and give a touch and stay connected. I know we get a lot of information coming through and sometimes you're kind of, you know, the, the folks that can can always be tough to kind of track down. Cause I know you guys are really busy, but I'm glad we got this put together. I appreciate you coming on with me, Luke, and having making some time for us here on Blunt Business. Really glad to have you on. Website, website once again, is drinkcann.com. Of course, uh, real quickly, give me the, any of the social media areas that you want to go and people to have follow along, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, possibly. Where, where can they find you? You can find us on Instagram at D-R-I-N-K-C-A-N-N. And... Uh, I think we have a TikTok too, uh, although it's kind of low profile. I don't think you're really allowed to promote cannabis on TikTok. So, right, yeah. Uh, but it, it, we're 
we're we're out there different different platforms prim- primarily instagram uh we have a twitter we have a youtube channel with some cool content on it but really instagram is the only well-developed and and sizable uh platform uh, following that we have on social so i would i would go to instagram and uh and and then also go check out the youtube video it's on weed maps youtube channel they got a lot more followers than us but <laughs> right. taste all you gotta do is go to youtube and type in taste so good and then in parentheses the can song and you're, you're in for a treat yeah good song by the way Throw it into your Spotify playlist. I would definitely recommend that. Thank you again, Luke, for being on with us. Really appreciate you taking time out. And thank you, listeners, for listening in. We'll talk to you next time. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.